I'd like to welcome all of you to Sunday service here at the Temple of Light at Ananda Village. I'm Naya Swami Parvati. This is Naya Swami Pranabha, and our speaker today is Jitendra. So it's a wonderful affirmation that we just did together for this particular moment in time. <laughs> now I'll be reading from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. And these are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. Why tell God anything? Why tell God anything when he knows everything? Why offer God anything when he has everything? Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ teaches as the ideal prayer, one that addresses very human demands to God. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Jesus himself says, just before suggesting this prayer, your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. Why then his recommendation that we pray for anything? The answer is that we should offer ourselves up in acceptance of his abundance. Don't pester God as though pulling constantly on his sleeve to get his attention. Approach him with the confidence of a child in its parent. And in that spirit, then, ask him lovingly, but with complete trust, as though demanding your birthright, and without the slightest doubt in your mind that he wants only your best. For you don't have to persuade him the way a beggar or a stranger might. You are his own child. God knows everything already. He knows what is in your heart. And it is you who need to clarify your feelings that you attune yourself to him in turn more, clear, more clearly. For only by such clarity will you be able to receive perfectly what he gives you. For the same reason, we need to offer ourselves to him, not because he needs anything from us, except, as Yogananda said, our love to complete his love for us, but because by self-giving, we expand our awareness from its confinement in the little ego, outward to infinity. Those who partake of the nectar Remaining after a sacrifice, says the Bhagavad Gita in the fourth chapter, attain to the infinite spirit. That person, however, who makes no sacrifices, never truly succeeds in enjoying even the blessings of this material world. How then could he attain happiness in subtler realms? Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh.
Good morning, everyone. It's a blessing to see all of you and be with all of you who are tuning online. I'd like to begin with reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda. This is entitled, Baptize Me in the Flood of Thy Grace. I was first baptized at the font of this material world. Prenatal heritage gave me my body. The milk from my mother's breasts baptized me to the, the feel of flesh. Cloud-born rains, mountain springs, and meadow-nurtured food made me dependent on earth's sustenance. My imprisoned soul cried at last for freedom from the prison of confining flesh in solicitous material care. No more did I want to dwell within the fenced garden of the senses. Yes, I cried for freedom. Then at last the cloud of silence within me holding thee remote, bursts, and thy mercy rained upon me, cleansing me with thy grace. The rising waters of thy spirit broke the narrow boundaries of my soul, baptizing me in thine ever-expanding waters of infinity. The power of thy flood of cosmic consciousness broke the embankments of my senses, and every little bubble of my consciousness dissolved to be baptized in the waters of thine omnipresence. So this topic is one that I was entertaining for at least a few weeks, asking this question uh, back to God. Why tell you anything when you know everything? And why give you anything when you have everything? And unfortunately, there's a lot of silence after asking this question to God. And I heard Master's uh, words to me, uh, which there's a recording of Yogananda saying these words, find it out. <laughs> so so it, was a, it was a fun adventure. I'd like to read um, <clears throat> from the Bhagavad Gita this quote that comes surely after uh, the quote that we listened to in the reading in Rays. In this quote, in stanza four, those who work to fulfill their earthly desires worship the gods, which are idols, ideals in various forms. They are not idols, aware that success of this kind can be reached with relative ease. And Swami Kriyananda, in the expanded commentary on this quote from the Gita, Swamiji said that lower aims are achieved uh, more easily and quicker than supreme devotion to God. And <clears throat> one could consider this of thinking about um, if, if one wants to build a house, one of the things that they most likely will do is consult an architect. And in some ways, Swamiji draws the, the parallel there to say that um, the, the material gods, of course, would be uh, the architect. Uh, I don't know if Padaranga is here. I hope this doesn't go to your, your head. Uh, Padaranga was the architect to this beautiful temple, who is a great soul. And so Swamiji is saying here that as we engage our desires and are in some way seeking fulfillment in this material world, there, of course, is required some ex to some extent great willpower, sacrifice, attunement, and all of these other qualities that we know are also involved with 
um, finding God and merging back in that consciousness. But one of the things that Swamiji points out here is that if we are focusing our attunement and our energy solely on those, in some way, lower gods of ideals, um, then we're setting ourselves up for um, the uh, result of duality. We're, we're setting ourselves up for the potential sorrow that will come because everything in this world will eventually dissolve materially. And so with this quest that we often get caught in is that we are attuning ourselves at one level of consciousness and attuning ourselves to this material plane. And there's a lot to be done on the material plane. So we do need to consult with architects. We do need to all do all of these things, especially when we have these important projects that we're also trying to do for God. But Swamiji points out that we don't hunker into our meditation cave, our meditation nook, and focus on solely self-offering of ourself to God um, as the sole focus, because there are a lot of other things that need to be done. And so with all of this said, um, what happens inevitably when we spend too much of our energy and our devotion to, toward perfecting this material plane is that inevitably we're going to have to reap the harvest of uh, Dwaita, of Maya, which is for every pleasure there has to be a pain. And everything in this world will change, as we, of course, are experiencing, especially this year. We're seeing a rapid um, unfoldment of change. And there's a, a Christian hymn that I very much like, where in this hymn it is said that uh, change and decay all around I see. Uh, o thou who changes not, abide within me. And this is a beautiful thing to keep in mind as this world spins off into total chaos. Luckily for us, we know that there is a center there that lies within everyone and certainly lies within ourselves, which is that, that silent whisper of God trying to guide us back home. And what the devotee for the yogi, we seek that opportunity to take a step beyond the material world and live in the center of stillness, to live in that place that neither birth nor death can touch. And in the autobiography of a yogi, I recently was reading the chapter uh, materializing um, the golden palace that Babaji creates for Lahiri Mahashai. And in this chapter, I think we're all perhaps aware of what happens after this beautiful union of guru and disciple. Uh, very quickly, Babaji tells Lahiri Mahashai to go back to his job, to his family, to be a, a channel to show the rest of the world that you can live in God communion by serving your family, serving where your God has placed you in your workplace. And so as Lahiri Mahashai heeds his guru's counsel, and on his way back home, he stops, and he makes some friends. And in that, what happens is that uh, he tells the great adventure that he just experienced with his time with Babaji. And of course, his friends were very skeptical. 
of you're just I'm, we can't we can't uh, reach that far and believe what you're saying. So Lahiri Mahashai wanted to show his friends Babaji, and Babaji told them that you know anyone that utters my name with reverence, you know I will will attract to them an instantaneous blessing, and I will come to you when you know when you call me. So Lahiri, taking advantage of that, called to Babaji. He sat to meditation and said, you know, Babaji, come, come, bless my friends, come. They don't believe that you exist and all of this beautiful uh, spiritual power is, is here. And so we know what happens. Babaji appears. But Babaji is not completely happy with his disciple because what he says is Lahiri, after things are worked out, they spend time together. And then, and then Babaji becomes very clear with Lahiri and he says, you know, Lahiri, in the future, I will come to you not when you want me, but only when you need me. And I was thinking, gosh, Babaji has a great sense of humor, you know, <laughs> that this great exalted avatar has, has humor. And I was reflecting on this the past couple of weeks, uh, reflecting on the humor of Babaji and just trying to understand that. But I thought, well, there's another way of reading this, uh, these words from Babaji. And in fact, I think it's very important for all of us in this reading. When Babaji tells Lahiri Mahasha, yes, we can accept that as humor, but there's something important there when Babaji says to Lahiri, I will come to you whenever you need me. And I was reflecting on that. And isn't there a difference when you want water? You know, when you want water, a nice cup of water here, Thank you for the water. When you want water, it's certainly very nice when you are given a cup of water. It's very nice. But when you need water, when you have been walking through the dry desert and hallucinating and fearful of your, your arriving death because you haven't had water, you need water. That feeling, can we all imagine that in our hearts, of what that feels like when you need something? For us as devotees, to arrive at that place in our hearts every time we meditate, in every moment of our life, God, Guru, I need you. I think all of us are living our life to the greatest extent possible with trying to share our life with God, trying to share, to, to offer to God our prayers for our needs so that we can become a better person, that we can live a more expansive life for God. But there's another step for us to get to that place of saying, God, I need you. And even to the further extent than that is, God, I need you to release me from this delusion that I am separate from you, and so whatever it takes, whatever it takes, bring to me what I need at the time I need it to become free. Because all I want is you. I want to free my heart from this delusion and distraction. You are my cosmic beloved. Come to me. And even our guru said that if the arm or if the hand prevent it, cut it off. If it keeps 
something between you and God. Because that need, if we can meditate with that, that dying thirst in our heart for God alone, God will come to us. And it takes that devotion, it takes that yearning to remove the poles of the world. Uh, I recently had a dream uh, just last week when I was focusing on this topic a lot. And this dream came to me where I was very much enjoying this beautiful world that God has created for all of us. And I was experiencing so much pleasure. You know, it was, you know, here in California and perhaps where you live also, we had a long stretch of time with toxic smoke and, uh, you know, very hot weather and lots of fires. And outwardly, things were not pleasurable, <laughs> to say the least. And so, coming out of that chapter, I remember in this dream, I was just breathing fresh air and enjoying the feel of a cool breeze on my skin and the taste of good food and laughter. And the list goes on and on. And in this dream, I was enjoying so much pleasure from this world. But I noticed in this dream that every time I was having pleasure, it was like a game. I also had to accept a sorrow. So I started playing this game, trying to outwit it. <laughs> I was trying to think, well, what can I do here to gather more pleasure, but, you know, try to uh, weave around whatever sorrow needs to come. And I used all of my intellect that I've gathered so far in this life, but there was nothing I could do. Every time I gathered a coin of pleasure, I had to also take a coin of sorrow. And after some time, I felt enough of this. I'm done. I'm done. And that final, that final inner uh, yearning in my heart for that something more, that something that was more constant and also carried with it that, that promise of infinity, that promise of, uh, of ever-existing joy. And it was just a moment that I inwardly made that choice. I'm done. And immediately when I made that choice, I started to hear this song starting to sing, I think, from my soul. In this song that Swami Kriyananda wrote, which is so beautiful. Rama, 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 Rama. I'm not going to keep singing the song, but this song started to naturally begin to sing from my soul. And as I felt this, I immediately I started to feel this inward, upward, expansive energy in my heart. And at that moment, I looked around to all my friends, which I believe all of us were there, and I said, who else is done with this game of pleasure and sorrow? Who's with me? <laughs> Who's with me? <laughs> and of course, everyone responded exactly how you did. I'm with you. So we all gathered together, and social distancing was not in our consciousness, so we all got very, very closely together. And we all started to sing. Rama, 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 Rama. And we kept singing this song. And together, as we sang this song, we all started to rise upwards. 
And we also noticed that what was aiding in our expansive upward uh, reawakening this uh, realization of the love of God was, yes, we felt it in ourselves, but the more we also recognized it in each other, it fed this upward current of grace. And we just soared so high in freedom, in bliss, and we could feel the living presence of God's love in ourselves, in each other. And something important that Nayaswami Dhyana shares very often is she said that a few years prior to Swami Kriyananda's passing, she asked Swamiji, Swamiji, when you are gone, will you still be able to help us as much as you are now? And Swamiji's response to this question was, I hope I will be able to do so. And after reflecting on this, Diana said that she realized that what he meant by this is, I sure, I, can I sure hope I can help you if you make the effort to, to attune to me. And surely we can do this by listening to Swami's music, by meditating, by chanting to our guru. The more we give of ourselves to that, that vibration of God, the more that vibration is going to keep lifting us upwards. And in some way, this is our perspective we're working with, with the playing, trying to understand that this game, we cannot win at this game of duality. The only answer is to arrive at that center and to keep an ever-increasing upward current of energy focusing at the point between the eyebrows, the science of yoga, the power of Kriya. And this story of looking at perhaps God's perspective, which I think we should owe God his perspective today, this story that I, I found very inspiring of Krishna in Arjuna, and this story is shared in India, I'm not sure how often, but one day Krishna in Arjuna went off for a, uh, a walk through Krishna's kingdom, and they arrived at this king's palace, and this king was had a beautiful gardens, this beautiful palace, very wealthy. And they arrived at this king's palace, and the king was very upset because he was raging war with his neighbors, because he was telling Krishna, Krishna, you know, I, I need more land. I want more land because I want to build more palaces and more gardens. And what is this that my neighbor is not going to allow me 10 more feet on his land? Doesn't he know I'm trying to build a palace here? And Krishna Arjuna spent some time with, the, uh, with this king. And after departing, Arjuna told Krishna, Krishna, this, this guy needs a lesson. I mean, he's surely not happy, and he's so greedy. He, look at all the wealth he already has. And, I mean, what can you do to help him? And so Krishna says, yes, 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 I care very much for my devotees. I will be sure to help him. And so, pleased with that answer, they continue on their journey. And they arrive then at this, they see in the distance this little hut with this hermit who lives inside of it. And the hermit, very joyful, welcoming Krishna and Arjuna into this little, very simple, humble uh, yurt. And so as they go inside, they notice this hermit is very happy. And he has very few items he has some plates, some cups, some loincloth, and a cow. 
And so they very much enjoyed their time with this hermit and full of joy of welcoming Krishna and Arjuna into, their, into his home. He, he fed them, and he was very proud. He fed them, you know, the milk from the cow and some food produced from the cow. And they had a very nice time. And after they left, they departed. They blessed the hermit. And on their way out, Arjuna was thinking, gosh, if, you know, Krishna is going to help this king by helping his situation, I just wonder what Krishna is going to do for this, this hermit who is very joyful, very devoted to Krishna. And he has only a couple of items in this cow. And so he asked Krishna, he said, Krishna, certainly if you're going to be helping this king, will you also help this hermit? And Krishna replied, yes, 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 of course. I care very much for all my devotees. I surely am going to help this hermit. So Arjuna asked the question, what are you going to do? And so his answer was that, well, for the, for the king, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him more. I'm going to give him more palaces. I'm going to give him more land. And he kept going on in that way. And Arjuna thought, he knew Krishna was a great saint, but uh, that doesn't make sense to me, Krishna. But he continued onward with that, and Arjuna didn't question that further. So inwardly, Arjuna thought, gosh, I can't wait to hear what he's going to do for this hermit who has nothing. And so Krishna says, for the hermit, what I'm going to do for him is I'm going to kill his cow. And Arjuna thought, Krishna, I, this doesn't make any sense to me. P please tell me more. And he said, well, you see, for the king, he has everything. And he's always going to want more and more and more. And I'm going to give him more and more and more until he realizes that and arrives in his own understanding that he'll get to that place where no matter how much he attains in this life, it can never make him happy. Only I, his Lord, can fulfill that desire and that need. And for the hermit, being a great humble soul as he is, the only thing that stands before him and me is his cow, because he seeks his need from this cow. And as soon as I take the cow from me, he will speedily come to me because he will need me. And when he then comes to me, he will go into ecstasy. And so for all of us, you know, in our life, what is God trying to do with us? What is our guru trying to do to help us? Because the difference here is God, the guru, only sees one thing of what our next step is of what we need to do in our life to free ourselves from this delusion. And they will be in constant um, state, there will be in a constant state of love, of understanding, but also just like a parent, they will also keep guiding us forward and giving us what we need. So the more we see and we accept that which is given to us in the eyes of God to know especially for our hearts that wants only God, God's going to respond to that call, and he's going to bring us what we need. But we also have to be ready to accept that and know and have that trust and try not to doubt that anything and everything in your life is all being created by the hand of God. 
You know, God has, you know, millions of projects. He's running the galaxies. But you, 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 every one of you is a special project for God where he cares about your freedom. He wants you to be happy. And I wanted to close with <clears throat> this very beautiful song that was written by Swami Kriyananda. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I'll sing the very last line uh, after I read it. And this song was written toward the end of Swamiji's life where Swami Kriyananda was a perfect example that one step at a time, as we give of ourselves in service to the Guru, to service to Divine Mother, in whether small ways or big ways, but it's the constancy of the seeking, of offering of ourselves, our energy, our thoughts, our desires, continuing to offer that to God so that God may guide those desires, those attachments, those thoughts. And so Swamiji, at the end of his life, was filled with bliss. He was filled with God's love. So in this song, let us all try to feel these words, keeping it in our heart, especially during this time of great change and challenge, that if we keep focusing on God alone, God will protect us and he will fill us with that supreme love, that supreme joy which is our birthright. So I invite you to close your eyes and listen to these words in this beautiful song. <clears throat> Through a long and lonely night, I've whispered your name. Through the pains and joys of life, my plea stays the same. Tempt me no longer, this world's not for me. I've known all its charms. Fold me now in your arms. Make me free. Lifetimes have passed. I've called out to you through hope and despair. Lifetimes I've known the goals that I sought awaited nowhere. Help me remember there's one goal alone. All I am is yours. All I've done is yours. I'm your own. Help me remember there's one goal alone. All I am is yours. All I've done is yours. I'm your own. So God bless you all. Jai Guru.